Good morning. What a privilege it is to gather together as God's people to worship Jesus. What a privilege it is also to sit around God's word one last time this year, reflecting on God's faithfulness and also to be prepared for the days ahead. 2019 has come to an end. Lots have happened this year. I'm sure all of you will agree with me that God has been faithful to us. Great is His faithfulness. As I thought about what to preach today, I was moved to a psalm that we had studied and prayed over as staff a few weeks back when Dave led us through Psalm 121. We left our study and prayer time encouraged. I was personally encouraged. And my hope is that as we go through Psalm 121, Psalm 121 will prepare us for days ahead by reminding us that God will keep us. God will keep us. (coughs) So turn with me. To Psalm 121, it is printed in the bulletin for you. If you have your Bibles with you, it's in the Old Testament. It's almost to the center of the Bible. This is Psalm 121, a book of songs. If you look in your Bible, you will see that there's a title on top of Psalm 121 that says, Psalm of Ascents. Psalm 120 to 134 are Psalms of Ascents. The word for ascends comes from the verb meaning that means to go up. And so this is a psalm of going up. These psalms are best taken as procession hymns, which the pilgrims sang as they traveled from their homes and went up Mount Zion for annual worship. <coughs> God had assigned that three times a year. This was the place assigned by God for worship. They loved going to Mount Zion or Jerusalem because this was where God made his presence known. And they longed for this day. They longed for this day. But the trip came with challenges. You see, back then there were no cars or metro to take you to Jerusalem. They had to walk. And the journey to Jerusalem took a few days. And during this trip, they had to climb hills. Now, hills pose a lot of danger. Slippery paths, loose rocks, wild animals, and even robbers. This would have been a concern for anyone who would be traveling to Jerusalem. Would my child fall and get hurt? What if robbers attack us? Would my family survive the scorching heat of the sun? What if someone falls ill? Will we be safe at night during this wilderness trip? You can sense people feeling uncertain, vulnerable, unsafe, and weak. And it is in this context that the psalmist says in verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills. 
Where does my help come from? You see that this psalm begins with an expression of neediness. I know this journey is going to come with challenges. I want to go to Jerusalem. I want to be there, worshiping God. But I also know that this journey is going to come with challenges. And I need help to make this journey to Jerusalem. Where will I receive this help from? Who's going to help us during this journey? Just like the psalmist, it is possible that you are asking the same question now. As I look ahead in this journey of faith, I'm filled with uncertainty. I don't know what awaits me. Would I have this job next year? Will my children be safe? Will I be able to provide? What next? Will our family relationships get better? What trials await me tomorrow, today, in the evening, next week, next month, next year? You're uncertain and you're probably struggling with fear now. Or 2019 has been a difficult year for you, and you're wondering how you will make it through just another day. Forget 2020, just another day in 2019. Or maybe you're struggling as a parent. Nothing seems to be going your way, and you're stressed. You do not know what to pray and how to pray. Who is my hope as I make this journey of life? I pray that the study of this psalm will fuel our faith in the faithfulness of God to keep us. Now, today, tomorrow, next week, next month, and next year, till he brings us into his presence. The psalmist answers his question in verse 1. The question is in verse 1, and he answers the question in verse 2. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Well, who is this man's help? If you see, it says, my help comes from the Lord. And the word Lord is, all the letters in the word Lord is in capital letter. It's a capital letter. Signifying that it's the English translation to the Hebrew word Yahweh. Well, who's Yahweh? When you read through, when you find time, read through Exodus 3 to 6 and Deuteronomy 7. If you want to know more about Yahweh, read through the entire Old Testament and read through the entire New Testament. You'll know. But I just want to introduce you to to Yahweh. You understand through these chapters, at least Exodus 3 to 6 and Deuteronomy 7, the Yahweh is a God who keeps his word. Yahweh is holy, and yet Yahweh set his affections on the Israelites. Yahweh came down and Yahweh rescued the Israelites by defeating one of the strongest kings back then. Yahweh does not need help. Yahweh is full of steadfast love. The people of Yahweh are Yahweh's treasured possessions. You mess with these people, you mess with Yahweh. So please understand what this psalmist is trying to do. He's reminding himself that in the journey ahead, a journey marked by unknowns, anxiety, and fears, this Yahweh, out of his covenant love, for his treasured possession, by his might, is going to help me make this journey. Jehovah will bring me to Jerusalem. Jehovah will bring me into his presence. 
This verse also tells us that Yahweh made heaven and earth. I looked at verses in the Old Testament that use this expression, and I found that this expression, who made heaven and earth, means just more than that God has power and he has wisdom um, and he has skill to create all these things. It just means more than that. Well, if he created heaven and earth, he is over all that happens on earth. There are portions in the Old Testament where this expression is used, uh, and, and you understand that when this expression is used, it means that Yahweh is not far from his people, but he's personally personally involved in the lives of his people. That's First, first Kings 9 First Chronicles 16, Psalm 113, and Psalm 146. God is personally involved in the lives of his people. So he raises the poor. He feeds the hungry. And he'll give the barren woman a child. But when you come to First Chronicles 29, another place where you find this expression, it tells us that greatness is his Power is his, glory is his, victory comes from him. He gives honor and he rules, he has might. And interestingly, when this, this section ends, where this expression is found, listen to this, friends, this is what it says, he gives, he gives strength. I want you to think of this. Yahweh, the God of steadfast love, comes to his needy people and gives strength so they are strong. And so if you're feeling weak because of uncertainties in your life, I pray that this expression, this expression will bring you relief. You who made heaven and earth, you who possess infinite power, you who hold the universe in your hands out of covenant love, will supply strength to me, so I am strong. So every step I make in this journey of life, I'm going to make by faith in what he will provide for me. Yahweh will give strength to the weak. And just in case you're struggling with doubts and you're asking yourself, I don't know how I'm going to survive tomorrow. I don't have the faith for tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to make it. You have no idea how you're going to continue life tomorrow. And you have no strength left in yourself. Let me encourage you, just with this expression, Yahweh isn't just someone who is way up there. The one who made all these things comes and meets with our needs and supplies strength. Let me give you an example. This is 2 Timothy 4. This is the last letter that Paul wrote to to, to Timothy, he's in the prison, he's all by himself, and toward the end of his life, this is the last letter, he says, at my first defense, no one stood by me, meaning I was alone. She's alone. He says, everyone deserted me. You know the feeling? At the end of your life, You've been serving God, been trusting God, and you are in the prison for the sake of the gospel, and you are in chains. No one can see you. You're all by yourself. Everyone deserted me. And Paul, Paul does not lose hope. He says, but God, but God stood by me. 
And Paul does not leave it there. He does not say, well, God just stood by me. He says, God stood by me and he strengthened me. In the prison, this lonely man has been given strength. You know, you cannot close doors to Yahweh. He will break through those doors and supply you strength. So Paul then in 2 Timothy 4 will say, then I preach the gospel. There is a lonely man with the strength that God supplies. Do you see how this man in Psalm 121 fights his fear? He sings a song. He sings a song. A song of faith. My help comes from Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. You put these, things, these two things together. My help comes from Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. There should be an explosion of faith in our hearts toward God. I'm guessing some of us are asking, but well, how does this look like on the ground? You've been saying that this Yahweh gives strength. Explain the details to me. I want the details of how, how Yahweh there comes down and, and infuses strength into me. What does it look like? So he gives details from verses 3 to 8. And verses 3 to 8 assure the reader that Yahweh will keep us. Yahweh is our keeper. If you look carefully at this section, you will notice that every two verses express and explain different aspects of the keepings of God. So verses 3 and 4 talk about one aspect. 5 and 6 talk about one aspect. 7 and 8 talk about another aspect about the keepings of God. And each section is a pictorial explanation of how Yahweh will keep his children. So look with me at verses 3 and 4. It says, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Climbing hills is no easy task. There will be rocks. And it could be possible for the traveler to slip and hurt his foot. Well, God knows every step the traveler will make, and his eyes are on the safety of the traveler. You see, God cares for us so much that he pays attention to every detail in our lives, including every step that we take. And so when obstacles come your way in the life of journey, he will come to your rescue so that you don't stumble and fall. Jesus talked about this kind of care in Matthew 10 when he sent his disciples out into the world. He told his disciples, you are going to face rejection. People are going to mock you. I don't like to be mocked. I really don't like to be mocked because I talk about Jesus. I'm sure you don't like to be mocked. You will be insulted. You will be beaten. You'll be chased. Your family is going to leave you. But the tempter is going to use, he's going to use this. He's going to do everything possible so that you will begin to doubt God's goodness as I sent you. The tempter wants you to even doubt God's presence with you. And so Jesus says, this is how he encourages Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? 
yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. Even all the hairs on your head are numbered, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable than many sparrows. What's Jesus' point? Sparrows are small birds of little value, yet God gives so much attention to the bird that not a single sparrow, not a single sparrow dies unless the father approves. Not even one. And Jesus says, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Every hair on your head is numbered. So Peter, Thomas, Andrew, Bartholomew, I don't want you to fear. I want you to go out there. Fear not. I want you to fight fear by telling yourself that your father cares for you so much than many sparrows. He knows even if one hair is missing from your head. I love that expression. That's how much of attention God gives to his people. Question is, do we believe that? Do we believe that every hair on my head is numbered? That's how close God is to me, and that's how watchful He is over my life. Now, humanly speaking, such kind of care must be a tiring job. It is a tiring job to give so much of attention. But you see, the psalmist says, Yahweh will not slumber. He is not tired from keeping us. He does not snooze. He's never asleep. He has his eyes on us always, and therefore we can be confident that we will be kept by God. And just in case you want illustrations or examples, look at the same verse. He says he is the keeper of Israel. Yahweh is the keeper of Israel. Well, how did he keep Israel? Well, after he rescued these people from Egypt, Moses wrote that God was with them and that they lacked nothing. That when enemies came to hinder them from traveling, God came to their rescue. When they were hungry, they got manna. When they were thirsty, they got water from the rock. Not magic. This is miracle. Water from the rock and God satisfied their thirst. During their wilderness journey, their foot did not swell and their clothes did not wear out. Well, friends, there was no shopping festival back then in the wilderness to keep buying clothes. I want you to think of that. Think of the attention that God gave even to the clothes that they had. Their clothes did not wear out. It's there in the Bible. And he led them through the great and terrifying wilderness with his fiery serpents and scorpions. Israel reached the promised land because God kept them. God kept them. And he never got tired. He never gets tired. We are the ones who get tired. We are the ones who are exhausted. I'm thinking of one of our members who said after 16 years of a married life, this has been the hardest year of her life. 
In every relationship in my life, she says, there was a problem. My in-laws did not favor me. My father, due to personal illness, could not recognize me. I had struggles with my son. My husband had a breakdown. Wherever I turned, there were problems, and I could not stand. But you see, she didn't stop there. She said, but God did not allow me to fall. I have learned what it means that God keeps his children and therefore they can stand. Maybe your life story relates to this life story. And you're wondering if God will keep. This verse says he will. He's the keeper of Israel. Not one hair from your head will fall unless the Father approves. Well, the first way we are kept by God is by his constant attentive care. Always attending attending to our needs so we don't fall. Verses 5 and 6, we see another aspect of the keeping of God. It reads, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Well, the point is clear. Because Yahweh is your keeper, you're safe. But what does it mean? What does it mean that Yahweh is our keeper? If you have your Bibles, look at Isaiah 27 and verse 3. And I, I want to define what that means, that Yahweh is our keeper from that one verse. There are other verses too, but I, I think this verse explains it better than other verses. Let me explain you the context. God's wrath on the nation of Israel have, will come to an end, says Isaiah the prophet. Now God is going to take care or keep this nation, pictured by the word vineyard. Listen to Verse 3, a pleasant vineyard, sing of it. I, the Lord, am its keeper. Every moment I water it, lest anyone punish it. I keep it night and day. I have no wrath. Says God. Now we're trying to answer what it means that Yahweh is your keeper. Well, first Isaiah says, Isaiah tells us that God is personally involved. Not that he sends an agent. He's personally involved. I, the Lord, am its keeper. Second, he takes care of the vineyard. He waters it. Third, he wants the vineyard to flourish. He seeks its good. That's why he keeps watering it. He wants the good of the vineyard. Fourth, he will protect the vineyard. Always, it says, lest anyone punish it, I keep it night and day. Fifth, This is an act of mercy. It reads, I have no wrath. Well, they deserve wrath. But God is going to have compassion on them. And God is going to water this nation. And God is going to bless this nation. And he's going to keep it. So what does it mean? That Yahweh is our keeper. Out of loving concern for the vineyard or his people. Out of loving concern for his people. God will never for one second forget their needs or relax his watchfulness lest it be attacked by the enemy. Not even for a second will God take his eye off his people. He's not going to relax. He's going to take care and keep and protect and guard and preserve his people lest they be attacked. He is engaged in all the happenings 
of the vineyard. And when the Lord keeps, they will flourish. And they are safe. So, if the Lord does not keep, his people are not safe. They're not safe. That's why the psalmist says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The watchman could be sitting there 24 hours a day, watching all that's happening. He could be doing his job, but unless the Lord watches, all his efforts are in vain. All. Interestingly, he explains this with another image in the verse. He says, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. You see, for the traveler, this is an important image. When you have to walk for hours with your family in the wilderness, any sight of shade is a delight to see. That's why when we go to the beach, we need to see the umbrella first or the tree. We want that shade. We understand the value of shade here. In the heat of the summer, the shade of the building or even the shortest tree is a relief for us. In the shade, there is protection from the discomfort and weaknesses and exhaustion that heat can bring. And in your journey of life, there will be discomfort and there will be exhaustion. The verse is, the Lord is your shade. Point being, the Lord is your keeper. And as your keeper, he will comfort you so that you're not wearied by the struggles this journey of life brings so that you're not exhausted he comforts like the shade does verse 6 explains the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night you know the heat of the sun and the chill of the night causes all kinds of inconvenience for the traveler all kinds of inconvenience We have inconveniences in our lives, too. Think of the mother at home. She plans meals fitting to the needs of the family. One child needs noodles, the other one needs yogurt, the other one needs chicken, and this healthy husband is on a keto diet. And at the end of a long day, mommy is tired, wife is tired, and the kids cry out, can we go to the park, please? Talk about discomfort. At the end of the day, I just want to rest. Or maybe you're running to your office and and you know you're a few minutes late. You have little time to get there. Your boss is patient. He's told he's waiting for you. You are stuck in traffic and every traffic light that you hit is red. Or maybe you're going to write an exam and there's a terrible cold before your exam. And because you have this terrible cold, you are unease. You just can't focus. Just can't focus. There's so much of discomfort and unease. And you're scared whether you will fail in your exam. Because you just can't focus. A weakness. Or maybe there's miscommunication and misunderstanding. That has produced discomfort. Maybe that kind of miscommunication and misunderstanding is part of your marriage. 
Or maybe it, it has affected your friendship with someone. And you are not at ease. There's discomfort. What we need is shade. Shade. So we are not exhausted. The psalm says, the Lord keeps you. When there's discomfort caused by these inconveniences, he keeps you by comforting you and strengthening you throughout the day. Yes, the journey is going to be hard. It is not going to be a problem-free journey. It's, it's, it's possible that you will feel frustrated and weak and scared and tired and exhausted. Take comfort. The Lord is your shade. I'm thinking of another member who had to go through a surgery this year. She was very apprehensive and felt fearful at discomfort. She says, no one could see my fears, meaning no one knew of her fears. She was scared as she approached the operation theater. No one could see my fears. He did. And as she said that, I could sense, I could sense the relief in her. He did. And so on the operation table, she says, he stood by me. The way she expressed it sounded like that was enough. Shade. That was enough. And all my fear was gone. He took me through this. There was discomfort and there was fears, but I went through this. And now I can tell others that he is with you when you're afraid. The Lord is your shade. And maybe there are inconveniences in your life now that, and you are in discomfort, and you're probably battling a war within you right now, and you're frustrated. Take comfort. Please take comfort. Look at that verse. The Lord is your shade. Believe in this promise. He will comfort you. He will. The question is whether we believe it or not. Verses 7 and 8 close with the last aspect about the keeping of God. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Well, let me, let me admit that the psalm closes with attention. Does verse 7 mean that no evil will come my way? Like nothing, like nothing bad is going to happen to me. I mean, no sickness, no sorrow, no grief, no rejection, no pain, no loneliness, nothing. Is that what he's trying to say? Well, well, if you look through the book of Psalms, you know Psalm 22, where he says, I'm about to die because my enemies want to kill me. So God, come to my rescue. You know Psalm 55. This guy was a lonely guy. He was scared. He felt hurt. He was deceived. He just wanted to run into the wilderness to be by himself on his own. There was evil. Psalm 37 talks about fears when evil flourish. As the evil people increase, this person got scared. So there is evil that this book says we will face. The same book. Jesus said that too. People will hate you and reject you. Your family will keep away from you. You will be persecuted. 
Paul says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And our own experience tells us that life is filled with constant difficulties. So how do we resolve this tension? Psalm 121 verse 7 says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. And the rest of the Bible says, you will face evil. Well, firstly, it seems clear that the Bible, it seems clear from the Bible that we will not escape evil in life. We will not. Romans 8, 2 Timothy 4, the entire Bible, we will not escape evil. Secondly, the, the Bible also tells us that the evil one is powerful. He's powerful. He has his schemes and his intention is to see God's people fail in their faith. How do I know? Well, Jesus said that. When he spoke to his disciples, he said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you. The you there is in the plural. Meaning, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to have all the disciples that he might sift all the disciples like wheat. He's demanded that. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, Jesus answers that in the next verse. He says, but I prayed for you that all, but I prayed for you all that your faith will not fail. So what does Satan want to do? He wants us to stop being faithful, to stop trusting God. And for that, he may attack your health, he may attack your wealth. You may lose your job. He may make life hard for you. But the good news is that Jesus will keep his disciples. You and I cannot take on the evil one. We will fail. We are weak before the evil one. But Jesus says, I will keep you to the end. And so he prays in John 17 to his father before he leaves. He says, Father, I am no longer in this world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them, he says. Keep them safe in your name. I think that's what Psalm 121 verse 7 means. When the evil one attacks, who will help me? Who will keep me to the end? Who's going to guard my heart? Who will keep me faithful to the end? Answer, Yahweh. God. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 3. But the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. So evil attacks will come, but the one who's going to keep me when the evil one comes to attack is God. Not me. I cannot keep myself. How can I be sure that I will have faith when the evil one attacks? God? God? That's what Jesus said. There's another member in our church who told JC and us, JC and me, that um, this has been a difficult few weeks. I've not been having job for more than a year, so no job confirmation. My passport has expired. My visa has expired. I do not know what kind of decisions I've got to make. I don't know what decisions I have to make. I don't know how to make decisions in my life. Who is going to help me? And then she says, then she says this. 
God caused my eyes in the midst of all this confusion to see that he can meet my needs and that he is at work. I don't have everything in place, she says. God has strengthened me and given me joy. And then she says, well, you know, God did not condemn me because I didn't have faith. I know I don't have much faith. It's like God telling me, I know you don't have much faith. I know you don't have much faith. But I'm going to keep you so that in the midst of all these chaos, you don't doubt me. You believe me because your eyes, the eyes of faith that I give you, you're able to see my hands at work in your life. And she's strengthened. This is how God keeps us from the evil one. He gives strength to his children. Not everything is going to go our way. But I know, I know that he's at work. That's how he keeps us. God will preserve you. In the day of affliction, when life is hard, Jehovah will preserve you so that you will not stumble, so that you will not grow faint. Jehovah will keep you when you're groaning for deliverance so that you will say, by faith, sufferings, afflictions, grieves now are not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed to us in Christ Jesus. You will say that by faith. Because God will keep you. Who will keep us confident? God will. We will make it to the end because God will keep us to the end. And that's how the psalm ends. The Lord will keep you going out and you're coming in from this time forth, like right now. It's 1214, right now, from this time forth and forevermore. And forevermore. I, I cannot tell you how many times the Lord kept me this week. Um, I thought preparing a sermon from Psalm 121 would be easy until I started reading it properly and was difficult and I couldn't understand and I felt I would fail today. The Lord kept me by moving me to prayer. He kept me from the evil one so that by faith I will trust him to help me understand this song. There were difficult conversations and I felt weak this week. I didn't want to have it. How would I have it? Well, he calmed my heart and he helped me talk. The Lord is my shade. There were times when I was frustrated and I was getting impatient. And God, on many occasions, softened my heart so that I did not feel angry. God did not slumber. He kept me from falling. And so I lifted my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from Yahweh, who made Heaven and earth. You see, unlike the Israelites, we are not headed to Mount Zion. In the Old Testament, God's presence was in the temple. 
In the New Testament, we are the temple of God and we are headed to Jerusalem because the Son of God chose to enter this dangerous world. Peter Lightheart says, Our God did not flinch back in fear from the corruption of the world. He didn't hide from its dangers. He didn't shrink back and settle in heaven. He came and he entered fully into all our horrors and went through the valley of the shadow of death to save hell-bound sinners. And to those who are his, he tells them, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I, Jesus, give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them from my hand. You know what no one means? No one. No one. That's how powerful his hands are and we are kept in his hands. Oh, child of God, oh, Christian, walk by faith in the assurance that this promise brings. You and I are kept and will be kept by God until he brings us into his presence. We are journeying to the new Jerusalem. There, God will dwell with his people. Then there will be no mourning, nor crying, nor pain that our journeys on earth have had. Oh, Christian. You will be there because God keeps you and will bring you there. Believe in this promise. And let's pray. Father, it is by grace that we have been saved. It is the same powerful grace that will keep us, and it is the same grace that will bring us home. And we will have so much to sing about when we are in your presence, about your grace. And so God, by your grace, keep us. Remind us that we are safe in your hands. Increase our faith in your promises and what you have told us in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.